Good morning, everyone. It is my pleasure to introduce our first speaker of the day, Michael S. Berlin, MD. Dr. Berlin is the founder and director of the Glaucoma Institute Beverly Hills and is a board-certified ophthalmologist specializing in laser surgery and in the research and treatment of glaucoma. Born in Detroit, Michigan, Dr. Berlin received his Bachelor of Science degree cum laude from the University of Michigan. During his residency training at the University of Michigan, he received a Master of Science degree in ophthalmology. He completed specialty glaucoma, glaucoma fellowship training at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, where he also served as a clinical instructor in the Department of Ophthalmology. Dr. Berlin is currently an associate clinical professor at the UCLA Jules Stein Eye Institute. He is a member of the American Academy of Ophthalmology, the American Glaucoma Society, and the American Society for Laser Medicine and Surgery. He has researched and published numerous books and articles on glaucoma and laser surgery and is regularly invited to lecture at professional conferences both in the United States and internationally. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Berlin. Commonwealth, thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this uh, wonderful seminar, and I invite and thank all of you for coming to uh, listen, to learn, and uh, for your interest in eye care, in vision, and uh, in glaucoma, my specialty. Um, I'm also very proud to uh, be on this podium with Dr. Devgan, who you'll hear soon after me. Uh, he's just a dear friend and a brilliant, brilliant surgeon. Let's talk about glaucoma today. Uh, we're obviously very close to Hollywood, and uh, as all of you who know this area, Hollywood is a very special place, except now with the wider strike going on when, not, when not too much is happening. Other than today and, and this week, Hollywood is a very productive and, and important place for us, and it creates lots of visual things for us to be excited by and for us to learn by. So let's look at Hollywood, and one of the things Hollywood does is create wonderful television shows. I want to talk to you about one of my favorite television shows today, which is uh, the Disney show. And uh, Disney created some wonderful effects, some wonderful stories. Let's take ourselves back to our childhood and uh, come with me on an adventure in Disneyland. And this one is called An Adventure in Glaucoma Land. So once upon a time, long, long ago, far, far away, we'll talk about things to do with glaucoma. But before we do that, and I'll talk about glaucoma first. This is an eye. What is glaucoma? If you look at an eye, an eye is like a basketball. It has a, 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 a surface around it that's all the same consistency. In the front, it's clear where the cornea is, and the rest of it's white, but it's all relatively the same thickness, except here in the back of the eye where the optic nerve goes to the brain. Glaucoma is a pressure-related disease in which pressure causes problems at the back of the eye and prevents the information, the signal from the eye getting to the brain. Before we go to talk about glaucoma, let's talk in general about what an eye is and how does it work. We'll talk about how the eye works, what glaucoma is, what goes wrong in glaucoma, what types of glaucoma there are, who is at risk, what should you do, finding glaucoma, and treating glaucoma. Let's start with how does an eye work? You all know what this is, right? Yes? Okay. An eye is just like a camera. The front of the eye acts like a lens of the camera. Light goes in the front, is focused, and it's focused on the back of the eye where the film would be. 
And then in today's era, we no longer use film, we use digital cameras. So if you're going to get an image out of your digital camera, you have to plug the camera in and the camera has to take that information to the brain, to the computer. So the way that this camera gets you to see a picture is it transforms light into energy and the energy is then taken to the computer and the computer gives you a picture. The light energy in an eye is taken to the brain, the computer, by the optic nerve. And that's important. So you have the front of the eye like a, like a camera lens, the retina like the film on the camera, and the optic nerve like the wire going to the computer. When all of those work, you get a nice picture. When something doesn't work, the picture's not that good. Next slide, please. So let's look at these structures. The cornea and the lens act as a camera system to focus light to a fine focus in the back of the eye. If you have too much or too little, or these things are not working properly, and Dr. Devner will talk about this part, the lens later, you don't get a good image. The iris, the colored part of your eye, whether you're brown-eyed, green-eyed, blue-eyed, that's the iris, that is like the iris in a camera that opens and closes to amount, allow the correct amount of light in and to help you focus so that you have a good image. And then the retina. This is the film of the eye. This is where light is absorbed by retinal cells, turned into electrical signals that pass along this optic nerve to the brain, carrying the image to the computer. The center of the retina, or the macula, has the highest resolution. That's where we see detail. And that's like a very high 10 megapixel camera. The periphery of the retina is less detail, and that's like a 1 megapixel camera. But the 1 megapixel camera on the side tells you where things are, where that dinosaur is coming near you, so you better run. And then you look at the dinosaur and you can see it's a dinosaur, and then you know you better run. So that's that's the important thing about how, how the eye works. The periphery and the center are different parts of the retina, but they're both important in helping you function visually. First, you see something on the side, and then you, if it's of interest to you, if your brain says it's important, you then turn your eye to see exactly what it is in detail. In glaucoma, it's that side vision that gets affected first. So you're often not aware of the problems you have in glaucoma until later in the disease. Glaucoma results from increased pressure in the eye, which causes damage to the retina, the peripheral retina first, and then the optic nerve. Because the macula, the fine part of the vision, is the last part of glaucoma to be affected, most people don't know they have glaucoma until very late in the disease. The eye is also separated in different portions. There's an anterior chamber, which is the front space of the eye, filled with aqueous liquid. There's the posterior chamber around the lens. This is a space between the iris and lens where the aqueous is produced. And the vitreous chamber is a space between the lens and the retina. It's a clear space, which is filled with vitreous or gel. Next slide, please. What is glaucoma? Open-angle glaucoma is an eye condition where damage to the nerve results in loss of visual field, loss of your side vision, due to pressure. Although the cause of this optic nerve damage is not completely understood, there's a correlation between an increase in the intraocular pressure, we call it IOP, and the visual field loss. Elevated pressure in open-angle glaucoma is a result of an obstruction of outflow fluid. Glaucoma is a chronic disease. It takes a long time before it affects and causes blindness. Successful management critically depends on careful clinical medicine and a relationship between a patient and the doctor. Control requires lifelong compliance with treatment, and glaucoma is controllable but not curable. 
like high blood pressure. We can control it. We can make sure it doesn't cause us problems, but we can't make it always go away. How much glaucoma is there? 67 million people in the world and 3 million people in this country have glaucoma. Approximately 120,000 are blind from glaucoma, about 9 to 12% of all cases of blindness in the United States. Glaucoma is the second leading cause of blindness in the United States and the first leading cause of preventable blindness. African Americans, especially in their 50s, 60s, are 15 more times likely to go blind than Caucasians from glaucoma. And worldwide, the total cost of drug therapy and other forms of treatment and the managing complications are estimated at $3 billion a year. What goes wrong in the eye to cause glaucoma? Again, this is a pressure-related problem which causes damage to the optic nerve, uh, making the signals from the eye to the brain decrease their effectiveness. What's wrong in glaucoma? Pretty much the whole kitchen sink. What goes wrong? Fluid flow in the eye from the posterior to the anterior chamber is similar to flow in your kitchen sink. There's a faucet to create the aqueous, the fluid that's necessary to nourish the eye, and a drain to let it escape. The faucet in the eye is the ciliary body. Now, because light has to go from the front of the eye to the back of the eye, if the eye were filled with blood like everywhere else in your body, light wouldn't go through. So the eye developed a special system. The ciliary body keeps all the blood cells on this side and lets only the fluid in the blood, the plasma, into the eye. That plasma in the eye is called aqueous, and that nourishes the lens, flows through the pupil, nourishes the cornea, and then drains back to the bloodstream in normal eyes. The trabecular meshwork right here is the area where the fluid drains out. It drains back through this meshwork like a sponge into a vessel, into a pipe, and then goes back to the bloodstream. In glaucoma, this area doesn't work. So you have a faucet that's working and a drain that's not working. What goes wrong in glaucoma? Either the faucet is making too much fluid or the drain isn't removing it fast enough. In this sink example, the fluid would overflow. However, in the eye, instead of overflowing, internal pressure builds up. What happens to this increased pressure? The eye is a sphere, like a basketball, has a uniform structure except for one place. This is the pressure-sensitive weak point where the optic nerve exits the eye. This is where the wire goes to the computer. Because of this weak spot, when pressure builds up, there's damage here. It's like a tire that has a weak spot in it. What happens when you increase the tire pressure? You get a bulge. And when you look at that bulge, it looks like from the outside like a bulge, but from the inside it's a depression. Increased pressure in the eye causes damage to the optic nerve. This gives the optic disc a cupped appearance. Cupping indicates nerve cell death and loss of side vision. This is the back of your eye, and this is the normal optic nerve. And because it has a weak spot when you build up the pressure, that optic nerve becomes depressed. Instead of looking like this, looks like this. Instead of looking like this, looks like this. And the fibers that go through that nerve, which are all healthy here, are now killed because they can't function when they're being pressed. So this is glaucoma. A normal optic nerve becomes a dead optic nerve. The wire going to your computer loses all of its uh, internal fibers and the image can't go through. Increased pressure in the eye results in irreversible damage to the optic nerve. Glaucoma is actually a family of diseases, not just one type of disease, but all of them are pressure-related problems with the optic nerve. There's open-angle glaucoma, 
Closed-angle glaucoma, secondary glaucomas, most commonly pigmentary and traumatic, congenital glaucoma, and what we call normal tension glaucoma. Open-angle glaucoma is the most common form of glaucoma. 80% of all people with glaucoma have open-angle glaucoma. It's caused by an overproduction of aqueous fluid or deficiency in outflow, a faucet that's on too much or a drain that won't work adequately. It's a chronic disease that cannot be cured, but it can and should be treated. Untreated open-angle glaucoma can cause a loss of side vision in time. This gives it the nickname, the sneak thief of sight, because we lose our vision from the side, we don't notice it until late when it comes in the front and we can't see. Open-angle glaucoma occurs most often when this drain portion of the eye doesn't work. Through a routine eye examination, open-angle glaucoma occurs when the eye's drainage system becomes clogged over time. A part of this system, called the trabecular meshwork, is a tiny spongy tissue that allows fluid to leave the eye. This structure is situated in the eye's angle where the iris and cornea meet. When this drain becomes clogged, aqueous fluid cannot leave the eye as fast as it is produced, causing the fluid to back up. This backed up fluid increases pressure in the eye and can cause damage to eyesight. If open-angle glaucoma is not diagnosed and treated, it can cause a gradual loss of vision. This type of glaucoma develops slowly and usually without symptoms. Open-angle glaucoma is the most common form of glaucoma. The next most common is narrow-angle glaucoma. In narrow-angle glaucoma, the outflow region is narrow and the fluid cannot drain fast enough, again causing the pressure to rise. Do you have curtains at home? Okay, when you close the curtains, you know that the curtain is flat against the window. What happens when you open the curtain? The curtain pleats. The pleats become thicker. So the flat curtain becomes thicker, right? Okay, now if that flat curtain becomes thicker and there's something between there, as it becomes thicker, it can block the drain in an eye. And I'll show you what happens. Like a curtain which is flat when it's closed, but it's thicker when pleated, the iris becomes thicker when the pupil enlarges and can block the outflow pathway. If this is untreated, it can progress to angle closure, a sudden increase in intraocular pressure, which can cause a rapid loss of vision. Angle closure glaucoma is a medical emergency. This is again the outflow region of an eye, and this is the iris. It's like the curtain against your window. When the pupil dilates, the iris becomes thicker, and here's the outflow. The iris, the curtain, just blocks the outflow. It blocks the drain. The faucet is still working, the drain is blocked, it's a closed basketball, what happens inside? The pressure goes way up high, very fast. It causes pain, blurred vision, halos around lights, and uh, markedly decreased vision. And we have to fix this right away, otherwise the optic nerve can be very quickly damaged irreversibly. A small percentage of people with glaucoma have a condition known as narrow angle glaucoma. This type of glaucoma can occur slowly and progressively or very quickly and can only be detected through a comprehensive eye exam. Narrow-angle glaucoma usually occurs in far-sighted people because they tend to have anterior chambers that are smaller than normal. In cases of narrow-angle glaucoma, the iris can bow forward, thinning the angle that normally drains the eye.
As the angle becomes smaller, fluid backs up, and pressure in the eye or intraocular pressure begins to rise. If narrow angle glaucoma is not diagnosed and treated, it can cause loss of vision. In some cases, narrow angle glaucoma can lead to an emergency condition known as angle closure glaucoma. For more information, ask your doctor about narrow angle glaucoma. When that curtain closes, pressure goes up suddenly, causes eye pain, sudden loss of vision, halos around lights, and it's a time to get on the phone right away. Secondary glaucomas, another in the family of glaucomas, these are glaucomas caused by local problems in the eye, a general eye disease, or sometimes the use of medication which cause an increase in eye pressure. These include increases in the size of the lens due to cataract. When people age, their cataracts get thicker and the thickness can cause outflow obstruction, inflammation in the eye, or the use of topical injected steroids. People who are on steroids have to be careful that they don't have problems that uh, are related to glaucoma due to the steroid use. Pigmentary glaucoma, another form of glaucoma, often occurs in younger patients. It's caused by peeling of the pigmented cells from the back of the iris when the iris moves or comes in contact with the lens. This free-floating pigment settles on many structures in the eye, but most importantly in the trabecular meshwork, the drainage area of the eye it blocks the sponge where it can block the outflow of the aqueous humor like carrot peelings in a sink. If you peel a carrot into the sink and those carrot peelings lay on the bottom, what happens to the sink drain? It backs up. And like the same way the, the pigment comes off, it backs up in the drain. The drain doesn't uh, function. The faucet is still running. The sink overflows. In your eye, the pressure goes up. This is what pigmentary glaucoma looks like. We can see actually these carrot peelings or pigmentation on the sponge, on the trabecular meshwork, blocking the outflow. Traumatic glaucoma, a glaucoma that's caused by an injury to the eye. Trauma can cause damage to any of the structures of the eye, including the trabecular meshwork or the ciliary body. Glaucoma can develop immediately after the injury or many years later. So you have to remember if you've had trauma to the eye to keep your eye um, under the care of a doctor to be sure that you don't develop later glaucoma from the injury. Trauma can be caused either by a penetrating injury like a BB or a blunt injury, a tennis ball, a racquetball, or a fist. Here's a rugby player. Now he's got a big problem. Hopefully it won't be a problem that we can't solve. What about congenital and childhood glaucomas? Look at this child, beautiful baby. Look at this child's two eyes. Can you see that one eye is larger than the other one? See that? Anytime we have a baby where one eye is larger than the other one, we always want to have that eye examined. This is caused by a malformation of the drainage structure of the eyes before birth. Unlike adult eyes, the basketball in an adult is, the eye in an adult like a basketball, is solid and doesn't stretch. In an infant, the eye tissue is stretchy, like a balloon. Increased pressure can lead to an enlarged and distended eye. The stretching can damage many ocular structures. Congenital glaucoma is known to occur more frequently in males. So we want to catch this early and protect the eye from damage. Normal tension glaucoma. This is a funny name that we have to this type of glaucoma. This type of glaucoma occurs where the pressure is actually in the normal range, but the nerve can't tolerate that normal range of pressure. Most glaucoma patients' optic nerves tolerate pressures in the low teens, but normal tension glaucoma patients require even lower pressures to avoid damage to their nerve. Now that you know everything about like, the different types of glaucoma, 
Who is at risk for developing glaucoma? Everyone. Everyone, all of you in this room are at risk for developing glaucoma. There are some groups of people that are at a higher risk than others. Who are those? People over the age of 60. You recognize those, right? Okay. But it's important, even though we know that it happens later in, in the 50s and 60s, it's important to start your screening, to start looking for glaucoma at the age of 40. Who is at risk? African Americans. We know this wonderful man, right? Okay. Blindness in African Americans is, is, in glaucoma is three to four times as likely. After age 70, 10% of African Americans have glaucoma, whereas in whites it's only two to three percent. Glaucoma occurs in African Americans at an earlier age, and glaucoma is more advanced when it's diagnosed. So we really want to be on top of this. Hispanic Americans also. In the younger age group, the Hispanic Americans Numbers are more like the uh, Caucasians, but after 50, the numbers ramp up and are more like the African Americans. So again, age of 50 is a turning point for Hispanic Americans, and they need to be checked earlier and more consistently. Asian Americans. The Asian eye is a usually shorter eye, and these people are at greater risk for narrow-angle glaucoma and narrow-angle glaucoma attacks. So we want to be sure to check, again, for glaucoma. How about other people? people who have a family history of glaucoma. If grandpa had it, you want to be checked, and you certainly want to remind your children to be checked for glaucoma, to be sure that your family glaucoma, your glaucoma in your family is not familial and that you're not going to be having a problem later. And the earlier we learn to, that we have glaucoma, the earlier we treat it, the faster we stop any vision loss. People with diabetes are at higher risk for glaucoma also. People with previous trauma to their eye, even as a child, if you had a bump on your eye, had a black eye, Later on, you're at higher risk for glaucoma. You want to remember or remind your children that if they haven't had an eye injury, to remember to be checked for glaucoma later on in life. Are you at risk? If you are, what should you do? If you're in any of these high-risk groups, you should be seen annually by an ophthalmologist who is a medical doctor or an optometrist who is a doctor of eye diseases. Get informed. There are many websites and books that are designed to teach you, the patient, about glaucoma. Give us a call at the Glaucoma Institute of Beverly Hills. We'll be happy to talk to you about your risk factors, anything that you uh, are of concern, and to be sure that if you have glaucoma, you're being treated correctly and adequately. Don't delay. Glaucoma slowly steals vision. Most people don't recognize that damage has occurred until it's already too late. What should you do? What should I expect when I go for a screening eye exam or an eye exam? Here's a hint. Testing is more advanced today than just that old air puff. How do we diagnose glaucoma? We really look for three things. We look at the intraocular pressure, we look at the function of the nerve, and we look at the structure of the nerve. So let's talk about each of these three things individually and how we examine them. In the glaucoma examination, although most doctor's offices will vary slightly, the examinations will include a complete medical history. We want to find out if you did have trauma to the eye, if there's any family history, everything about you and about your medical conditions, what medicines you're taking. We want to check your vision, and then we check you for glasses. We refract you. The doctor will also examine your eyes with a microscope called a slit lamp. This is just a microscope mounted vertically, and it lets us look at all the structures in the eye in very close, high magnification detail. The first and most relied upon means of detecting glaucoma is measuring intraocular pressure. We then measure that, and the doctor can use one of several devices to measure pressure. The most common one is called a Goldman tonometer. 
This is the usual device to measure pressure. It looks like a small blue cone that will gently, painlessly touch the surface of your anesthetized eye and give us a pressure reading. That's what it looks like. Another device is called a tono pen. This is a handheld pen that the doctor lightly taps in the front of your anesthetized eye to determine the intraocular pressure. Use this way. That's more portable. Another device is called an ocular response analyzer. This is sort of the old air puff made new with new, in, with new software, new information, and it gets readings without even touching the eye to tell us about potential for glaucoma. In the glaucoma examination, the doctor will record a number that is your intraocular pressure. Normal intraocular pressure is in the mid-teens. Pressures in the 20, 20s or above is suspicious and could mean ocular hypertension, which means pressure that is too high without glaucoma or actual glaucoma. The number alone is not the only thing that's important. If both eyes have different numbers, they're asymmetrical, this can also be suspicious for glaucoma. The second part of the examination is to look at the function of the optic nerve. This is done by testing side vision, the visual fields. Damage to the optic nerve causes loss of side vision. This loss cannot be recovered, so it's very important to treat glaucoma before visual field loss occurs or progresses. Although many people dislike the visual field tests, and they're, they're, they take time and they're hard, they're, they're really require concentration. They're very important tools to determine if functional glaucoma damage has occurred. There are two main types of visual field testing that your eye care professional may provide. These are Goldman visual fields. This man was very good in glaucoma in Germany about 100 years ago. And this is a Goldman visual field machine in which the patient sits, looks at lights flashing on the side, and tells us when they see the lights by pushing a button. The examiner is very carefully manually testing his patient to determine uh, if there's something wrong. This type of testing is reserved for patients with advanced glaucoma damage or other problems that prevent them from doing the automated visual field testing. This is the automated visual field test. This is the most common test that you'll see and you'll probably do for glaucoma. Uh, it's performed by computer. It takes the, the technician really out of the picture. Several different tests can be performed on this machine to determine the loss of function, including screening for glaucoma or following glaucoma patients to evaluate their stability or their worsening. This is what an automated visual field test looks like. In a normal visual field, this is number one, this is a normal visual field. We have a normal blind spot and essentially a white field. Everything we see in the side is normal. There's some gray on the far side because it's not as sensitive. We have 10 megapixels here and one megapixel here, but they're all, they're all on, they're all working. In glaucoma, we start to get enlargement of this blind spot and a tail going toward the nose where some of this, these nerve fibers are lost. And because of the structure of the nerve, we can see this patterning of, of the field loss looking like an arc. In later glaucoma, this area that's gray becomes darker. And in very late glaucoma, there's not much vision left. We want to catch you when you're in this stage and this stage and prevent anything from happening to get you to this stage, or certainly for this stage. The next part of the glaucoma examination is looking at the structure of the optic nerve. Increased pressure in the eye can cause nerve depth, which appears as optic nerve cupping or depression, like that tire with a bulge. The degree of optic nerve cupping is noted as the ratio between the amount of nerve that is damaged, the cup, to the amount that is healthy, the disc. We call this a cup-to-disc ratio. If the ratio is less than half, 0.3 to 0.5, it's normal. When the ratio is larger, then it's abnormal, and this means damage. This is what happens again. The normal optic nerve gets depressed by the pressure. This is about a 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, 0.5,
the ratio from here to here. And look at this one. This is almost a 0.9. It's almost all gone. So this is the shape we're looking at. It goes to here. It becomes bigger, and we describe that as a ratio, the cup-to-disc ratio. There are several methods which your eye care provider may examine the structure of your optic nerves. He can look at the nerves with a slit lamp. He can photograph the nerves, or he can image these nerves with new devices that help us follow this progression and detect whether there's change occurring. We can use a slit lamp with a microscope with a lens to look at the front of the eye. This is a slit lamp. We hold the lens in front and review the structures in the back of the eye. The doctor will use this lens to focus the light from the microscope to the back of the eye. This allows him to evaluate the status of your optic nerve. The doctor may also take pictures using this technique to document any progression. The newer devices have been created to analyze the structure of the optic nerve in a more precise manner. These include a device called a Heidelberg Retinal Tomograph, HRT, or an Ocular Coherence Tomograph, OCT. This is the HRT machine. This is the OCT machine. Let me show you what they, what they do. Both the OCT and HRT use laser light to scan several layers of the optic nerve in the retina. These scans are then interpreted and measured to produce highly repeatable measurements of the optic disc cupping. Testing is repeated yearly to monitor the progression in structural damage for the optic nerve. So this is an HRT scan showing a very precise cupping and representation of the nerve. This, the nerve is here, the laser scans it, and then the computer tells us this is depressed, this is not depressed, so this is a normal nerve. Less than half of it's depressed. And here's what it looks like in a 3D representation. So we can look at these, and then we can look at these over time and see if the change has occurred. In the OCT, again, this is a scan of the nerve. Here's the surface. Here's the depression. And it, all these lines are measurements. It gives us lots of different numbers to tell us uh, whether this nerve is normal or not and whether this depression is getting deeper or not. If the depression stays the same, we know that we're treating glaucoma adequately. If the depression gets deeper, we know we have to fix things and be more aggressive. After testing, we arrive at a diagnosis. The doctor will analyze the results of these tests for pressure, structure, and function. There's also a scoring tool that we use to help us determine whether you have glaucoma and whether you're at higher risk. The scoring tool is called the STAR, and the risk factors are age, pressure, the thickness of your cornea, visual field derivations from normal, or deviations from normal, cup-to-disc ratio, and if you have diabetes. Taking these six factors, we then calculate how likely are you have, are to have glaucoma and how likely are you to progress with your glaucoma. Okay, my doctor just told me I have glaucoma. What should I do? In the past, little could be done for glaucoma. Treatments included several drops with many side effects or going immediately to the operating room for a pretty drastic surgery. Today, we have many more and safer options. We have medications. We have lasers, we have surgery. Let's go back here. Medications are both topical and oral. They require patient compliance, but they're also associated with side effects. Lasers uh, have intraocular pressure lowering effects, but the older office lasers effects diminish over time, and they can also have some side effects. And then we have major surgery. The disadvantages include the invasive nature, healing and scarring responses, and late sequelae of invasive dramatic glaucoma surgery. Let's talk about each of these things, medications, lasers, and surgery. There are five different families of medications approved for the treatment of glaucoma, prostaglandins, beta blockers, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors, alpha-2 agonists, 
antibiotics. We use either single or combinations of these drugs to either turn off the faucet, open the drain, or both. The problem with drops is non-compliance. What do I mean by that? That means that patients forget about taking their drops. It's hard to remember if you have to take two or three drops a day and you're busy. Did I take it in the morning? Did I take it at noon? Did I take the bottle with me when I went out to lunch? Uh, sometimes patients miss taking their medications. In fact, 40% of patients miss 10% of their doses, and 50% of patients miss more than 50% of their doses. So we know that medications alone are not the best cure. In lasers, we have an open-angle glaucoma. The newest lasers are selective laser trabeculoplasty, and for narrow-angle glaucoma, we have laser iridotomies, where in an office, the patient sits in front of a laser device, and the eye is treated with a topical anesthesia. The patient goes home the same day. We have the newest laser, SLT. The newest laser surgical option for the treatment of open-angle glaucoma is called selective laser trabeculoplasty, or SLT. During the SLT procedure, your doctor directs a low-frequency laser beam into the trabecular meshwork, which is the primary drainage region of the eye. The SLT laser selectively treats specific cells leaving untreated portions of the trabecular meshwork intact. This procedure increases drainage of aqueous fluid out of the eye, lowering pressure inside of the eye. SLT is typically painless or results only in minor discomfort. After the procedure, the patient is typically treated with eye drops for a couple days. Most patients are scheduled for a return visit within a few weeks to reevaluate. And for narrow-angle glaucoma, we use another laser procedure, which is called a laser iridotomy. with angle closure glaucoma, your doctor may perform laser iridotomy to relieve the pressure that is building up in your eye. In order to prepare for surgery, your doctor will place drops in your eyes. These drops restrict the pupil and make it easier for the laser to penetrate your iris. That closes the curtain and makes the curtain thinner. Your doctor will then use a laser to create a tiny hole in your iris. This hole provides an alternative pathway for fluid to drain out of your eye. In most cases, your doctor will make the hole in the upper part of your iris, a section that is hidden beneath your eyelid, so there will be no visible scarring. After the procedure is completed, you may return to your normal activities. In many cases, your doctor will perform laser iridotomy on both eyes as a precautionary measure. So for angle closure glaucoma, when we diagnose it early enough, we can prevent acute angle closure by making these small openings in the eye with a laser. Surgical treatments, the most common procedures today are trabeculectomy and tube shunt. Most of us try to not to perform these only when we have to because the side effects are significant. This is what a trabeculectomy does. We make an incision in the eye and create a blister on the outside of the eye to allow the fluid pressure inside of the eye to escape to a spot outside the eye of lower pressure. Trabeculectomy surgery is performed when other treatments are not adequate or the glaucoma is very severe. It requires a significant amount of postoperative care to stabilize the pressure. Topical medications are in, and injections are required to prevent the surgical site from healing closed. There are significant postoperative risks that include leaks from this area, infections, Pressure that's too low, scarring, and more rapid cataract development. 
So we try to save these procedures for the end when we can't do much else, but we want to still preserve vision. And, and even later, we're, we can put in these shunts, which allow fluid to flow out of the eye into a reservoir, again, on the outside of the eye, to lower the pressure. Drainage implants, known as tune shunts, may be used to drain fluid when a glaucoma is not responsive to standard procedures or is caused by certain very difficult treatable conditions. This is one type of shunt with a valve in it. This is another type of shunt. So what's the best treatment for you? Should you use medication first and then a laser and then surgery? Maybe the laser first, then medication and surgery? Maybe medication first, then surgery and then a laser? Maybe surgery first and then medication and a laser? After discussing these options with your eye care professional, together you too will make a plan to save your sight. This will depend on your lifestyle needs, the progression of your disease, and therapeutic preferences. The future of glaucoma, there are newer glaucoma medications and treatments with less compl compliance issues, causing less structural damage, and they're just coming out today and, and soon tomorrow. These include combination drugs, COSOPT is here today, preservative-free drugs, Travitan Z is here today, injectable drugs, anacortic acetate is being studied and will be here probably in a couple of years, newer techniques, eczema laser trabeculostomy is available in Europe, hopefully soon here, trabeculotome and mini shunts are available here soon. Let's look at uh, one that's exciting to me, and that's ELT, eczema laser trabeculostomy. This is the newest laser surgery for open angle glaucoma. It uses refractive surgery lasers, LASIK lasers, to remove the outflow obstruction, restoring natural outflow channels without cutting a hole in the eye. It's proven successful in Europe for over five years, and it'll be soon available in the United States. What we do here is, where the drain is obstructed, we use a very special laser that doesn't cause scarring to just open up the drain. This is what the procedure looks like. Uh, under anesthesia, a small incision is made in the eye, like for cataract surgery. A probe is put across to the drain area, to the specular meshwork, and this very special laser energy just removes the obstructing outflow elements in the trabecular meshwork and allows the normal outflow channel to function again like it did before. The blockage is right here, so we remove that blockage and allow the fluid to again flow into the eye's own outflow pipes and not have to make a hole in the eye. With eczema laser trabeculoplasty and trabeculostomy, the surgical patient experience is, is much better than other procedures. The patients report minor discomfort, no need to hassle with medication costs or compliance, and it's a preference over other procedures and there's overall satisfaction. Remember, what have we learned today? Let's review what we learned, and I appreciate all of your interest and your concern. We learned that glaucoma is a sneak thief of sight. Glaucoma screening is the key to diagnosis, and if you're over 40, please get screened. There are many free screenings availability all over this town, and even your friends live in other cities, they have potential for glaucoma, remind them to go and get screened. Teaming with your doctor and using medications properly are the keys to prevent vision loss. Glaucoma is treatable, but cannot be cured. New treatments are coming. Lifetime team monitoring with your eye care professional preserves your vision. That's the end of my talk. Kevin? Thank you very much. Thank you again. Questions, please. And thank you so much for your attention. Hi. Uh, I just heard recently that they, um, there are two doctors, one in uh, Boston and one in Sacramento, now performing canal... Uh, Canaloplasty. Yes. 
And uh, how good is it? How long has it been used? How much does it cost? Uh, the question was, there, there's another glaucoma procedure in one of these that I uh, mentioned, newer procedures called canaloplasty. This has just been FDA approved. There are a few doctors who are trained to do it. How long does it last? It, it hasn't been proven over a year of longevity so far, so we don't know how long it lasts. Uh, it is a major invasive surgery, uh, and it requires some, some significant skill. And uh, the cost, again, I assume that uh, it will be uh, charged similar to trabeculectomy, but and it should be covered by Medicare, not your insurance companies, because they, they not, won't necessarily do it. Medicare, I believe, is a Medicare number for it already, but not necessarily for private insurance companies. Um, it's new. It has about a year's worth of uh, proof. Glaucoma is a lifelong disease. Um, unless you're very desperate, I would think about other alternatives before heading in that direction today. The cost, I, I really don't, I, I don't perform the procedure, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I'm waiting to see results over long term. Um, this procedure involves putting a, a suture inside the eye, and I don't, I don't particularly like to put foreign bodies into eyes. So, um, until I know where that foreign body is going to go in the long term, I don't want to put something there. Doc, you talked about the optic nerves. It never happened to be back in, uh, it is a treat for optic nerves. Uh, the question is, I'm talking about optic nerve. Uh, is there a treatment for the optic nerve? The optic nerve, again, remember, is the, is the connector between the eye and the brain. This is what gives us the ability to see. The eye is like the, the camera, but it's the brain that gives us the vision. So you have to have them connected. It's like taking your digital camera, and without having a connection to a computer, you can't see the picture. So the optic nerve is what's important in glaucoma. That's what's affected in glaucoma, and that's what we want to treat in glaucoma. Yes, we can't, we don't treat the optic nerve directly, uh, today. There may be medications coming down the line which can help the nerve and prevent it from getting damaged. But today, the treatment for glaucoma is controlling pressure. Thank you for your question. That operation that you said about the trabecomy where to put the shunt valve and all that, I had that done, but I'm still getting continuous haziness. Is that due to the glaucoma? The question is, uh, this gentleman has had a tube shunt procedure done. His pressure's been lowered, but he has hazy vision. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes, surgery itself, that kind of surgery, which is fairly aggressive, can cause hazy vitus. That kind of surgery can also cause you to develop a cataract more readily, and uh, there are multiple reasons that you could have hazy vision. But the, the, the hope is that your eye care professional will be able to fix your hazy vision and still keep you with a lower pressure so that you continue to see. Sometimes there's a trade-off between seeing better and seeing longer. And we have to trade off longer and better. But hopefully you can get both. That's a long discussion you should have and a, and a good discussion you should have teaming with your eye care professional. Let them know that you have haze. Let them know, let them let you understand what the haze is from and what you can do about it. And thank you for asking. Is glaucoma hereditary? Is glaucoma hereditary? Absolutely. Family history of glaucoma is significant. If grandma, grandpa had glaucoma, especially on more than one side, you are at risk for glaucoma. If you have glaucoma, your children are at risk for glaucoma. That's the importance of screening because you can't tell that you have something until you check for it. So if there's glaucoma in the family, especially anyone, uh, if you don't see it early in childhood, then by age 40, your, your family members should be screened every year to be sure they're not going to be getting that family gift of glaucoma. Okay, I was born with congenital cataracts, and now I have glaucoma. 
I've been had it for over 25 years. Can that be contributed to the congenital cataracts that I was born with? That's a very, very good question. This young lady was born with congenital cataracts, meaning when she was born, she already had cataracts. And she had surgery for those cataracts, I'm assuming, more than five years ago. Okay. Um, sometimes in those days, the surgical techniques that we had are very different than the surgical techniques we have today. So the surgery could have set up your eye for a condition of glaucoma, which you did get. So the, 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 the good thing I could say was it would be nice if you were born tomorrow and not then because we have better techniques. But since you've got what you've got, the important thing is to control that glaucoma. So the, the congenital cataracts were fixed. They gave you vision to grow up on, to learn to, to see, to get your way around. And obviously you made it to this far. But we want you to get farther. So to keep you getting farther, you'll need to control that glaucoma. And most likely you'll have to control it with surgery. So... Please be in discussions with him. Control that glaucoma. Don't let it go uncontrolled. Certainly. Is there any way to keep the, the pressure under 30? The, the, uh, sir, I am so happy you spoke up because everyone in this room needs to hear what you have to say. And that is so important. You know how important it is to check your pressure every year. And you know how important it is to control your pressure. Yes, as you know, pressures that high are very dangerous to your nerve. And yes, there are other methods beside the surgery you've had to further lower the pressure. And yes, you should have that pressure lowered as soon as you can. So pl please do and follow up. If, if again, the people that you're talking to, your, your professional eye care person um, is not able to help you, we'll be happy to, to help you with your discussions.